I'm Bianca Mattison Amos, and this is Once Broken, a podcast dedicated to sharing inspiring life lessons and remarkable stories of healing and redemption. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Once Broken Podcast. I'm Bianca Mattison Amos. My quarantine check-in guest today is Kareen Gooden, a Jamaican who lives in China. Hi, Kareen. Hi, Bianca. How are you doing, girl? I'm doing good. Thank you. So today you're joining me like for a little check-in. I, I want to know how you're doing, first of all, and want to know like what's happening around you. So you're in China. Um, yes. you are, where in China do you live? Uh, I live in Shanghai. So Shanghai is a major city here and it's around 850 kilometers away from Wuhan. So like when you first heard about the virus, how did you feel? Like, did you take it seriously at first? Actually, no. Um, I first heard about it in early January. In early January, I flew to Singapore for a holiday Mm -hmm. and I remember at the airport um, in Hong Kong and in Singapore they kept mentioning if you're coming from Wuhan you need to do temperature checks and so on but I'm not paying it any attention because I'm not coming from Wuhan so Mm -hmm. so I had my holiday enjoyed myself came back and two weeks no a week later a full week later, you heard more about it. Wuhan has been shut down, closed off from everybody. And I'm like, what? How can that happen? How can you shut down an entire city? But still, I was like, okay, well, that's them. <laughs> you didn't think it was <laughs> like something that's me. directly affecting you because you weren't in Wuhan? Not at all. So I remember thinking, oh my God. and. Uh, I even, my mom was with me at the time and she had a flight out and it was canceled. So I said to mom, I said, mommy, you know, we have to get, we have to get you out of here before the entire country is locked down and you have no way of leaving and your visa expires. Yeah. So we flew, so we flew to Hong Kong and I got her a flight from Hong Kong. And she got to go home. She got back to Jamaica and she did two weeks quarantine in Jamaica. And she was okay. Thank God. Okay, yeah. And um, that was that. When I came back, um, that was the 2nd of February. And for two months, I was inside. Wow. Except to throw garbage in the garbage bin. (laughs) How... How were the people around you reacting, though? Like, did people take the quarantine lockdown seriously where you live? In Shanghai, as soon as the provincial government said, listen, everything is locked down, everybody came to heal. Uh, there is no jokes here in China. If, some, if the government says it's a lockdown, that's what it is. So everybody had to adhere to it. My community, we have um, two main entrances where one can get in. 
and they closed one entrance. So everyone has to go through only one. No visitors are allowed. Thankfully, we do have a robust delivery system. So okay. we are able to get everything you need can be delivered. Each community has to have um, temperature checks for people coming in and out of the communities. And, you know, people, only people who live there can actually be there. Okay. No visitors. You, you, you're not allowed visitors. You're not allowed um, anyone coming in to see you under any circumstances. If you leave, you get a pass that you'll be able to show when you come back in to say, okay, I live here. Because my community, I think I'm the only black person who live in my community. Mm -hmm. So they never ask me for the pass. Okay, because they, they know you. Just, they know me. <laughs> so they always just check my temperature and say hello and I come in. Um, but for those that they don't know, you have to present that pass. And um, there's also now a QR code that you must have to enter some buildings and so on to show that you're healthy. So there are some serious measures then, like serious yeah. restrictions, like right away. Immediately, immediately. And um, each, each community, um, you know, they, they went through and they did intensive cleaning and disinfecting of the place. From hearing what you're saying, I can see why they've been able to, to kind of flatten the, the curve of the disease because like, I'm sure a lot yes. of persons would have expected that you know, China would probably be topping the leaderboard in terms of cases. I expected, yeah. I expected that too. And I'm so surprised when I see what's happening otherwise. But you see, this, um, this is a communist country. So based on that, they, have, they can do whatever they want to do. Right, whatever so the government, the government says, government, that's it. Yeah. That's it, yeah. So there is no, oh, you know, what will the people say? You're going to do it because you've been told this is what is best. And that's it. And they've made sure that there is no panic buying. There's no need to panic buy anything. The supermarkets are all stocked up. There's a lot of food. They even provide each community, each week, you're provided with five masks. Um, surgical masks mm -hmm. that um, you can use if it is that you want to go outdoors you'll get five every week and okay. that's provided by the government it seems like what you're talking about is like near the opposite of like what i'm experiencing and what i'm seeing and, and what i'm seeing even back home in jamaica with how like people are behaving and you know like mm -hmm. i just hope that everyone mm -hmm. can get it together so that together hope, we can I fight so this too. At the end of the day, sometimes you have to give up certain rights in order to, to be healthy. and For the benefit and of everyone. You, you, you've been in lockdown for like two months now. How have you been affected though in terms of like income and your mental health and stuff like that? Like what have been the, 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 the changes that you've been, you have been experiencing in your life right now? Okay, well... Thankfully, my job uh, still pays me even though I'm not working. So I'm really grateful to them yeah. um, for doing that. And um, I haven't worked since January. <laughs> wow. What have you been doing? 
girl. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't I haven't worked since January. It's crazy, but I've gotten my salary at the end of the month. I have heard many people um who haven't and you know, my heart goes out to them. I am beyond grateful. Um, as for my mental health, um, I have had some good days and some bad days. Um, my bad days usually is based on what's happening in my family. If there's, if there's anyone who is, you know, going to maybe, because I've had people who have been infected by the virus. And okay. besides that as well, I've had family members die and because of this situation, they, they can't be buried because we're still waiting and hoping to be able to give them the send off they deserve. And those things, you know, it, it really plays on you. And, and especially when you lose somebody who is really close, it really, and you can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. I can't leave the country because every, almost every country has closed their borders. Yes. Even Jamaica. So there is no going anywhere. So if anything happens to someone you love, that's it. Yeah, you can't and even get to, to be there to, to send can. them off properly. And that, I, I, honestly, right. my, my heart goes out to you and your family. Thank you. Someone said to me the other day that you can't come out of this unaffected. It's either you've lost someone or you know someone who've lost someone or you know someone who knows mm. someone who's lost someone. Like it's, it's, it's affecting absolutely everyone. Uh, I've heard though yeah. that China has lifted the lockdown restrictions. Is that correct? They have, yes. Okay, okay. So a lot of businesses are reopened and is it business as usual or is it still like slow? Like a lot of people are like still staying inside. Yeah, not business as usual as yet. Some people are still, you know, skeptical about going out because people are now fleeing from countries that have the virus. They're taking the virus back to China. Yes. So Chinese people are leaving Europe, America, and so on, and they're coming back with the virus. The good thing, though, is that they have a really strict um, incoming um, thing that they're doing at the like airport. a screening they're, process the screening process is crazy like everybody has to go into mandatory quarantine but it is divided into different parts if you have um if you're exhibiting symptoms they transfer it directly to the hospital if you're coming from a really high-risk country and there's no symptoms you're everybody's tested you're put in a hotel if you're coming from a low-risk country they send you home but you must stay in your apartment. Uh, workers will come to collect your garbage. You will not leave your house at all. You will not open your door unless you are passing your garbage out or collecting your groceries to come in. But you will not step foot outside. That, so this those is, are the three things. Okay, so this is something that sounds like it can work as long as everyone is on the same page. Right. Okay. Okay. So do you think that they might have lifted the restrictions too soon though? Because I've been hearing a lot of uh, criticism. What I think a lot of people don't um, realize though, is that China has been dealing with this for a longer time than a lot of the other countries. Right. Right. They've been dealing with it since January and the restrictions were lifted in April. (laughs) So 
I don't know what, how long, how much longer should they have kept it. What happened? They were watching uh, to see local cases going down, and it was always going down to the point where days will pass without a new infection being reported. Okay, uh, I've yeah. heard or like read on the news that there, like, mm-hmm. there were lots of black people, Africans in particular, who were getting the disease, and that there was mandatory quarantine of Africans and that people were getting evicted from their places and weren't being allowed to like pick up food and like stuff like that. What, what exactly is going on? Oh boy. Well, um, unfortunately that is happening. It's happening in Guangzhou. Uh, Guangzhou is another city that's um, in the south of China. Um, that city is very popular with um, Africans and other people who trade. Um, Mm -hmm. especially Jamaicans as well. Um, Many of the stores in Jamaica, the proprietors will come and they'll go to Guangzhou to shop and bring the things, and, you know, ship the things back home. So that's, yeah, that's where you can get the cheap goods. So Guangzhou is a trade post. So it's really heartbreaking to see how they're treating the Black people there. Um, I do know that they've always had tension and it is an unfortunate and truly heartbreaking situation where you see um, with the eviction of people, um, I heard that it's based on um, people in the communities calling the landlords and saying, oh, we don't want the black people here. They need to go. So the landlords come and evict you, giving you an hour or two to pack and you got to go. and can they do that though? Allowing people. Well, apparently they can because people were on the streets and um, they got mandates from the local government to do it. So it wasn't just like they, it became a thing when they started recording and sending it out. So once that came out, then the central government stepped in to stop it. Okay. Because this was a, this was being done by the local government. It hasn't spread to the rest of China. That's okay. Good. So it's just kind of in just localized. that one. Okay. Okay. It's localized. Um, wow. However, um, the thing is, in China, um, being black is almost like a novelty. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. If you go to like a a small city before all this happened if you went to like a small city or so on you would be stared at like uncomfortably stared at Mm -hmm. people will come to you and ask you can i take a photo with you and because that the reason is because they don't see black people often they see them on tv but not in real life so to see you they they and they can't understand it like I've had uh, people come to me when I go traveling around, not in Shanghai. Shanghai is an international city. But when you go out into the deep rurals yeah. <laughs> places, then these, thing come, these things come out and they'll ask you things like, oh, but your skin color is so dark. But why, is, why are the palms of your hands not black too? And oh you're my like, God. Huh? Like, but what? Why, why, why would it be? Why would it be black? And then they'll ask you questions 
like okay um so are you do you like your color and that sort of thing because for them the lighter you are the more beautiful you are yeah so the darker you are the uglier you are in their culture so even as a chinese person if you are dark skinned chinese then they don't consider that that person is beautiful yes so yes. so they'll place some of them will place their hand next to mine to show me that their skin is lighter than mine <laughs> so a lot of times i have to tell them listen i don't need you to declare my beauty I am aware of my own beauty. I see myself through my own eyes and I see beauty. I never really, I guess, noticed my blackness until Mm -hmm. I moved to North America. Coming here, my first stop was in a small town called North Mm -hmm. Bay. There were very few black people. And like mm. just the perceptions that they had of Africans and of like Caribbean people and Jamaicans in particular, it was just so weird. And what I realized is that everything that they thought was the stereotypes that they see on TV. I remember someone asking mm-hmm. me if I lived in a hut in Jamaica. <laughs> and and I'm t- this was 2014. This was 2014. And they asked me if in Canada, I, yes, in Canada, if I had windows. What? And I, <laughs> if I had windows in Jamaica, and I had my hair natural at the time, and people wanted to yeah. touch my hair, and people wanted to like, they, and they would like stare at at me at the mall and stuff like that. So I understand exactly what you're talking about. I remember a friend of mine. Went into a store in North Bay and someone told him, we don't serve your kind here. So, oh, oh wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's crazy that people are still uh, like this in, in um, the in age that we're, we're living in. And I just feel like it's, I'm, I'm going to educate you. I'm going to educate you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love what, mm-hmm. you're, what you're saying. I love what you're doing. But people do treat me um, good. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not treated badly here. Firstly, once you mention that you're Jamaican, it's like people's faces light up. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, I get that God. too. <laughs> Bolt. Oh, Bolt. He runs so fast. Oh, I love Yamaja. Yamaja is how they, they say it. That's a Chinese for Jamaican, mm-hmm. for Jamaica. And, you know, other people like Europeans will be like, oh, yeah, you know, I love Bob Marley. Are they, oh, you know, ganja, I want to smoke some ganja. Can we get some? I'm like, they always think we have the good weed. (laughs) (laughs) I've never smoked weed. (laughs) I know. I'm like, what the hell? I said, this stereotype thing is ridiculous. Not everyone smokes weed. Nobody lives in a hut. Everybody have rich and poor in every everywhere every nation has that but the news doesn't show that the news doesn't show that they show us killing each other they show the poverty they show and and that's what gets eyes right yeah and that's the reason why people discriminate against africa because they don't show the beauty of africa they only perpetuate hunger and poverty as if this beautiful continent is one thing, is one dimensional. They yeah. go there and they, fo- they try to find the worst part and that is what they highlight. Look at the Nigerians. You ever see, you, you just were there. <laughs> I saw this story about this man who flew 
a jet to go and pick up pizza. People are rich in Africa. Yes. Don't act like only people in, in America has money. what you see on TV. And the other day, I actually had a guest who is from Nigeria on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I finished the interview, I was like, oh my God, that interview was so amazing. And I was telling my husband, like, I can't wait to visit Nigeria because it's something that I've always wanted to do. And my son overheard. He's 10 years old. And he was like, mom, why would you want to go there? And I was like, what's wrong with Africa? And he's like, uh, like, I know exactly what he was thinking. He doesn't want to go to Africa because he doesn't see that as a place where we're going to go and enjoy ourselves. He sees Africa as a place where the poor people live and where people are dying and where people are starving. And sure, that's happening there, but it's happening everywhere. Everywhere. It's happening. It's happening right where I live in Scarborough, Ontario. Okay. Is there anything good that you think can come out of this COVID-19 pandemic? Like anything at all for the world or even for you personally? Well, um, for the world, I think um, we're getting an opportunity to um, spend more time with family. And, you know, even if you're not physically with family, you're, you're actually talking to them more. I feel like one of the good things that can come out of this uh, COVID-19 pandemic is that people will realize how many things they can live without. Like we get Mm. caught up with wanting so many material, so many material things. And now like it's only essential things that are available to us and we're all still living. (laughs) We're all still still going on. Still thriving. Still thriving. So I just hope that a lot of people will just Realize how many things that they're spending money on that they really don't need. And also, too, I wanted to mention, um, I think this will also um, help people to understand the need for emergency funding. I mean, you know, in Jamaica, we say rainy day, save your rainy day. Yep. (laughs) This This is the rainy day. And, you know, a lot of people, I do hear people are suffering and so on. Um, But, you know, this, this pandemic, I'm hoping that everyone will come out of this with the with that in mind. Put aside money for a rainy day. Yes, we, definitely. We, when you mention that, that is real. We don't need a lot of things. Save every week. Um, you know, give yourself a low spend week or a low spend month going forward, just to save that emergency yeah. fund. Yeah. So that this doesn't catch you if you're the person who doesn't have one or you're caught flat footed because you weren't prepared. Mm-hmm. During this period, you know, we have a lot of downtime. And I've been thinking, like, oh, why don't I have anything at all saved? It's not because there was nothing yeah. to save from, you know, because like right. some of those. It wasn't a out, big priority. Yes, it wasn't a mm-hmm. priority. It's definitely important to put aside yeah. something. It doesn't matter how small it is. It will come in handy when you need it, it the most. Is there anything mm-hmm. that you think that you are going, are going to be... Is there anything that you think that you're going to be doing more of when this is all over, like completely over? Uh, two things. One is I'll continue walking. I've started walking. I never did that before. To me, I considered walking to be, who does that? Because I can take, <laughs> I can call a cab. Like, why would I walk? Yeah. And people would say, oh, let's go for a walk. I said, but why? <laughs> I've started walking and it 
truly relaxes my mind. So I'll just just go. Um, I practice social distancing, of course. I wear my mask and so on, and I'm out. I usually walk at night because it's, you know, the city is just, um, there are less people on the road and it's beautiful, but not crowded. And secondly, save. I need to save more because um, I like to shop. I'm a <laughs> shopper. <laughs> like I will go online and I'll spend hours scrolling through, putting things into the basket and telling myself, don't buy it, don't buy it, don't buy it. And I buy it. I think for me, I'd probably want to travel more. It's, it, yeah. I, I, I've, always, I've always put that on the back burner. It's always something mm-hmm. that I'm going to do next year. I'm going to do the other year. I'm going to mm-hmm. do whenever. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, knowing people who just lost their lives in this season oh God. Uh, oh God. just makes me... Never... And they never got the chance to live their dreams. Yeah? Yes, yes. It just, it just reminds me of my own mortality. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. none of us are going to be here forever. And I feel like, yes, it's important to spend money on your bills and to, you know, of course, deal with the necessities, the things that you have to deal with every day. But I think it's also important yeah. to live a little Kareen, thank you so much for being on the show today. I had a blast chatting with you. I mean, we we, we spoke about so thank much. Thank you for having me. It was great. I know, it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> it was a really good conversation. I love these moments when I, and I, I, I get to speak with someone and then I walk away feeling uplifted and feeling like I just had a really good conversation. Like I learned some stuff and I'm feeling good and it was just really awesome. So thank you so much for being open to this. Like you were great. (laughs) Thank you for having me. I, I had a great time. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. So please leave me a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay real.